0: Now, the fighting in Sudan continues with no signs of an end, and there is no political solution in sight either. This has caused millions of Sudanese to live in a state of conflict and uncertainty for over eight months. The report, the Rapid Support Forces, a paramilitary group, has gained momentum recently and strengthened its control over the vast Darfur region. And they have also seized new territories, including Wad Madani, the second largest city. And this afternoon, we talked to former Sudanese journalist currently political commentator, live in Cairo, Dalia Mohamed. Dalia, assalamu alaikum wa wa and welcome. Wa alaikum assalam. Uh, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to have you. Shukran for making time for us. So, Dalia, can you provide a brief overview of the current situation in Sudan for our listeners who may not be familiar with the conflict?
1: Um, well, after eight months of fighting, of war, the, the conflict has spread into new, new areas in Sudan. It's now moving more into the center. Uh, Al-Jazeera state, which uh, the capital is, is, Wad Medini, is considered the bread basket of, of Sudan. It's where the majority of the agriculture is. At the same time, Wad Medani was the hub for humanitarian Uh, aid uh, distribution and it was also it became the hub for the you know for the vaccine the vaccination of children and of babies and now that's all been stopped and was also the home to the largest number of displaced people from Khartoum the capital when war broke out in April Mm -hmm. so the fact that the war has now spread into other areas besides Darfur and Khartoum is very frightening simply because there's there's no place that's safe anymore. People are now trying to find safety and they keep moving from one place to the other. So at one point, the largest number of displaced was 7.8 million. It's now gone up to more than 8 million. That's 8 million people displaced. Mm. You know, on top of those who are already displaced from previous conflicts. Yes. So, and the humanitarian situation is is beyond horrific, you know, uh, the UN estimates that more than half of the Sudanese population—that's nearly 25 million—are in need of humanitarian assistance, and that's not going to come through any time because a lot of agencies have be- agencies have basically paused their work simply because it's not safe to continue,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and there are no guarantees being offered by either side. And yes. The, yes. You know,
0: Mm-hmm. So, how has this all shaped the current landscape in Sudan, particularly with the recent developments, um, you know, uh, in the conflict? Because this is just escalating.
1: Yeah, it is escalating, and it's something a lot of us Sudanese have been talking about ever since war broke out. That if this war does not stop, is not is not brought to an end soon, it will escalate and it will spread. You know, it will, there will be a domino effect, you know, a spillover effect on neighboring countries. Sudan neighbors nearly seven countries. And all these countries are volatile, whether it's for economic reasons or political instability or conflict themselves. You know, if you look at this, like the likes of Ethiopia or mm-hmm. Chad, you know, and, and Central African Republic and so on, Libya. So it was never, there was no, you know, proper concerted effort to bring an end to this war. And basically, both generals, both armies—the militia and the Sudanese army—have just been waging war. And as as with all conflict, it is the people who are paying the price. Like the the RSF is a rebrand of the Janjaweed, who you know yes. inflicted terror on the Darfur people, people of Darfur, twenty years ago. They're doing that again. They're ethnically targeting the Masalit tribes. You know, and Mm. it's just we always keep saying never again, never again. But it is happening and the international community and regional powers have been very extremely slow to address or to answer this issue. And the longer they stay on the sidelines and just keep issuing like, you know, pointless statements, the worse this war and its spillover will be. Not just for Sudanese, but for the whole region, especially East and Horn, the East, uh, the East African region and the Horn of Africa area. So it's it's just horrific. There's no other way to describe it.
0: Mm. Now, looking at the humanitarian consequences of the conflict, the displacement, the refugee crisis, and the impact yeah. on civilians. Give us an idea of what this looks like. I mean, you know, we 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 usually see things on television, and I think recently we've been seeing a lot more with what's happening in Gaza, um, and this is being shadowed by that. Uh, in no means anybody's fault that this is happening, but obviously, you know, the 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 focus is on that side of the world.
1: Yeah, it is. I mean, unfortunately, um, attention spans, whether it, whether it's through media or. The political field is very short-sighted. They look at what's happening right now. Mm -hmm. And this this war has been going on. We're moving into nine months of conflict now. It's a dire situation because, you know, before the war, the situation was bad. It's now just gotten worse. 70% of healthcare facilities, including hospitals and clinics, have been shut down. 19 million children have lost their access to education. 65% 65% of the displaced are made up of of women mm-hmm. so the numbers are staggering, they're just absolutely staggering and Sudan needs around 3.2 billion in aid donations they've only received so far I think around 900 million so it's there's a lot of shortcomings whether it's from donor states or from a or from you know, donor, aid donor countries. And there's a lot of stag, uh, you know slowness in regards to uh, f- directly addressing this problem, this war, and trying to find a solution. You know, coming in with impactful and uh, decisions. You know, we've had all these jeddah talks and you know Djibouti talks and Addis Ababa talks, but. They've produced nothing. Nothing. They've absolutely produced nothing. You know, we keep getting statements, but statements, you know, Mm. don't comfort, don't provide help. Hmm.
0: Are there challenges that maybe are being faced by other countries in order for them to, you know, bring about peace initiatives or further negotiations that could be aimed at resolving the conflict?
1: Um. I think there's a lot of other power brokers who are, you know, issuing terms or conditions. And end of the day, a lot of countries are looking out for what's in their, best, in their own best interest, which mm. is understandable. But at the same time, if you don't address this problem, you know, the way this war is it's being carried out right now, you could have a militia run controlling the country in Sudan. You know, imagine you know having that in your border you know within your borders you have a militia yes. a mercenary militia that has has blooded you know it has a horrific history look at Yemen look at Libya look at Darfur so i i don't, I, I for me it doesn't make, i just can't comprehend why our neighbors our the regional powers whether it's the African Union or the IGAD they're not taking this war more seriously. They're not being more effective with their decisions, or how or how they can have a more impact on this war. They're, in my opinion, they're twiddling their thumbs. Out, honestly, mm-hmm. and I mean, like, Hamiti uh, and Burhan were supposed to meet in Djibouti today. It's been cancelled. So what is Hamiti doing? He's meeting Abe Ahmed in Ethiopia. He's meeting Museveni in Congo, in Uganda. So why are you treating a war criminal like a head of state, like a, like a bona fide politician, mm-hmm. you know? And then yes. these same countries are the ones who are involved in the discussions to bring about peace.
0: It just doesn't mm-hmm. wash. It doesn't wash, yeah, true. Yeah. How is the how has the media portrayed the Sudanese conflict? Because media has such an important role, um, you know, for any any uh, situation that a country may be facing, and to what extent also has it shaped public perception locally as well as internationally? Um, <coughs> excuse me. Well, in terms of um,
1: local media we're surviving on social media in terms of us sudanese because there's no print newspapers anymore there's you know journalists are targeted by both sides so we rely on those who are still in sudan we're, we rely on the you know the community groups and the, the the grassroots organizations and the emergency room responders who post you know uh you know uh, who post what's happening what's needed mm-hmm. how they how they're helping and in terms of international media it's been at the start of the war, there was a lot. Media was all on Sudan, and it's picked up recently. But you, it's very sporadic. But as Sudanese, as someone who's been through this, you know, we've had wars throughout our history, conflict. Yes. it's not new to us. We're not expecting media attention, but what we are expecting is that there needs to be more attention from people. You know, from you know, from those who can have a sway. You know. Uh, ta- you know, policymakers, into you know NGOs. Those are ones who have more of an impact on us. Than the but the media does help. I mean, we can't escape the fact when you see something coming up on your TV screen, it does you know have an impact. But we do what we can do. Like I do interviews. I know others who write papers. We 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 post. We take part in seminars. And there are still you know parties out there who do have an interest in what's happening in Sudan. But it's not reaching those who can do it have more of an have more of an impact, have more of a change, so to speak. Like mm-hmm. I've said I s I posted this before, I was talking about Sudan and sometimes I feel like I'm screaming into the void. Yeah. You know, it's yes. just it keeps coming back to me. I'm in an echo chamber so to speak. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a bit it's very disheartening sometimes but we yes. continue. We don't stop as Sudanese. which we, we cannot stop.
0: Absolutely. Um, giving up hope is the last thing I think any human being wants because that then certainly means bringing things to an end.
1: Yeah, we can't. I mean, I always say it's on us to the talking, to keep talking, to keep fighting, to keep, to keep posting about Sudan and doing what we can do, whether it's by giving financial donations, whether it's by finding jobs or hooking up people who can help each other. You do what you can. If you can help one person, that's one more person that... Who needed help? It was it yes. was it was provided for them. So that's mm-hmm. all we can do at this moment.
0: Is there a sense of betrayal um, that maybe Sudanese feel f- um, f- coming from the rest of the world, not really being there for them in the face of what, um, what, what you've just spoken about?
1: Sometimes yes, sometimes no. Sometimes I say, well, it is our own fault that we're in the situation we're in, and then other times I'm like, well, there were other, you know parties to the you know to the to the to the table so to speak who played a significant role in bringing us in making us reach this point of there being war you know so it's i i wake up every day with different emotions and different feelings mm-hmm. about how how it is so it's hard to say yes or no honestly you know sometimes i wake up i think there's hope and other times i wake up and i'm like it's over for us you know the sudan yes. that we know with will no longer be there so it's, uh, it's very conflicting.
0: Absolutely. Well, thank you for your time and for sharing with us this um, afternoon as well. I'm sure that uh, you know, people in, in the situation that you are facing would, would obviously concur with you because um, for us in South Africa, haven't been through a war as such, you know, so it, it's it's yeah. it's different from our perspective. Looking into what you are seeing um, and hearing from you, but um, I think uh, it gives us a bit of an idea as to how people in a situation like that would be feeling. And I think we have our prayers and um, constant hope um, from our people on this side that would try and assist to bring change and bring peace to Sudan. Thank
1: you. Yes, I think um, as Africans, as you know, as being all of us being from this beautiful continent, continent it's on the onus is on yeah the the onus is on us to, you know, we can't wait on those of outside to help us. We need to help ourselves. We need to be able to have a say in our own affairs, to be more impactful on, in, you know, what's happening in our in our, in, in our neighboring countries, in our border countries. And I, I still have hopes. I mean, I look at Rwanda, yes. I look at the cases of Rwanda and Angola and so many other countries, Bosnia, and what they've been mm-hmm. through and how they've mm-hmm. emerged. And yes. that gives me hope that we can do the same thing, so.
0: Yeah, I suppose sometimes yeah. it's it, the, the cliche that you have to reach the bottom to get back up is kind of true.
1: Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Right. And, yeah, I mean, it can't get worse than this. <laughs> As a yeah. this is the ultimate worst, so it can only get better from here, I hope. Inshallah. Well, thank you Inshallah. for your time.
0: Shukran, we do appreciate you Afwant. making the time to talk okay. to us. And, thank you for and having me. I hope me. you get better soon. <laughs> yes, thank you. I'm really sorry I have a really bad. Case no problem soon. at all. <laughs> Grateful that oh, you took right.
1: the time out for us. Thank you for having me. Thank you for uh, giving me the platform
0: to talk. You're most welcome. Okay. Have a good day. Shukran. You too. As-salamu alaikum. Bye bye. And that was Dalia Mohammed, former Sudanese journalist and currently political commentator, talking to us live from Cairo um, with regards to what's happening in that part of the world.